Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, in all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. So good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the, um, the Temptations of Jesus in Our Identity. And this conference will focus on really the passage from Matthew's Gospel about the temptation narrative and, and how that really relates to, to you and me, um, who, you know, our truest identity. So let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to be with one another, to pray with one another, and, and to really journey with one another um, throughout this season. But today, we ask you to walk with us as we journey into the desert with your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for, for the gift of our faith, and of course, for the gift of your Son. Be with us this evening. Open our hearts and our minds so that we may receive all that you wish to give to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, <clears throat> what is our identity? That will be um, the question that we will focus on is, is, is this, what is our, our identity? And for those who are in the education um, fields, this maybe this could be our big question or something that we put on the board. You know, what is our identity? So first, let us begin by listening to um, the word, and then we will go back to, to this. Okay, All right, so let's just listen to the word. Feel free to just close your eyes and, and listen to the passage to see if there are any words or any parts of it that, that um, strikes you more so than others. Okay, All right. So again, this is from Matthew's, um, this is Matthew's um, narrative. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then a devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on a parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him to a very high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, 
All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So now we'll just have a few minutes of quiet for us to just digest and, and to savor the, the word. So, um, what comes to mind when um, when you hear um, the word identity? Um, you know, um, you know, was but you meet someone new for the first time, and they say, "Hi, I'm Philip. Um, who are you? Or how are you? How if how, how would you respond? What what are some of the things that you would you might say to to um, the individual. Maybe if, you know, I, I might say, you know, I'm a seminarian or you might say, well, I'm a teacher. Some might say, well, I, I'm a doctor, right? Or sometimes we may hear, well, I'm, I'm so-and-so's son. I'm so-and-so's brother, right? Um, or maybe some might even say, oh, yeah, I, I you know, um, maybe you just moved in to your new house and, and your neighbor says, oh yes, I'm, I'm the one that lives in the house with the, with the blue awning or something, right? So we, we tend to identify or we, we tend to um, put our identity really in something that, that is tangible, that is sensible, that, that, that people can see, right? But, but, but I want to ask you to keep this question in mind as we continue with, with this conference to see if your definition of, of identity um, changes or if you can see where um, we're trying to go with this, okay? Okay. Um, 
So those three things that I had just mentioned earlier, you know, um, I'm a seminarian or I'm a doctor, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's what I do, right? I, people will sometimes oft, often identify themselves as, as I am what I do. I am, so I equals seminarian or I equals doctor, I equals teacher, right? So, so, so what I do, we may also um, say that, well, I, I am what others say about me, right? You know, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's such a good preacher or, or she, she's an excellent teacher. That's, that's, that's who I am. And again, some might say, you know, I am what I have. I'm the one that owns that house, right? So, so then I become what I have, which are really things that, that our Lord would challenge um, in, in his time here in the desert. So let's go right um, into that. We're told in the very beginning of chapter four, which is this, then Jesus was led into the desert by the spirit to be tempted, to be tempted by the devil. So, you know, this was the first thing that our Lord did was right after he was baptized, he um, went into the desert to be tempted. You know, why, why, why would he, why would he do that? That the first thing, now, of course, you know, this is only in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John has something different, right? John's, John's really first act was, 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 was um, turning the um, water into wine at, at, the, at the wedding at Cana, which John's the whole separate gospel, which maybe we can look at in the later, in the later um, conference. But, but at least in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first thing that Jesus does um, is go into the desert, right? And he doesn't go um, by himself. He was told that he was led. He was led by the Spirit, right? Now, I want to make a contrast between Jesus here and Adam. Adam, in the very beginning in Genesis, he was placed in a desert, right? But he, he, he was able to do his own thing, right? He, he was able to, to walk around the, the, the garden and, and eat of all the trees, eat from all the trees, except for one. But he chose to anyway. So Adam followed his own way, whereas Christ was led. Even Christ, the son of God, was led. He was led by the Spirit. In the same way, we must be led too. We must be led by the Spirit. You know, this, this really is a model for our, our discipleship of what it means to be a Christian follower, to be a disciple, that we must be led at every moment of our lives, not, not, not just when things are easy, not just when, oh, you know, it's a beautiful day, it's a good day, so yeah, I'll, I'll be led by the Spirit, right? But no. Every moment of our lives as Christians ought to be led by the Spirit. We must be led. We can't go and 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 find our own path because that's really, you know, trying to to make a name for ourselves, which 
we dealt with in the prodigal son, right? He, the the younger son wanted to to go on his own way to a freedom, and 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 to make a name for himself. But but we know how that ended. Now this brings to mind a debate earlier on, um, in 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 the church news. I'm not sure if you remember, but there was a time when there was a debate. Should the Our Father include lead us not into temptation? Right? Some people were saying, well, you know, we, you really shouldn't say that, that, that Jesus was, you know, that, that, that God leads us into temptation. But let's take a look about, let's take a look at, at that, right? Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. What we're asking when we say in the Our Father, lead us into temptation is not, we're not saying that, oh, God might want to tempt us. So, so let's try our best not to be tempted. No, no, no. God will never do that, right? God will never tempt us. So what that phrase means, lead us not into temptation, is that, Lord, lead us not into temptation in a way that do not even allow us to even fall into temptation in their own being, do not even allow that thought to cross our mind. You know, because God the Father did not lead Jesus into into the desert to be tempted so that he can fall, right? He led him to be tempted so that he can glorify God because the Father knew his son. He knew his son. And the Father knows us too. But like the sun, we also have freedom and we have free will. And we remember that freedom and free will doesn't mean do whatever pleases us, right? But doing what really what we ought to do, right? And so, so that is what we mean by tempted, you know? And more on a practical level, if Jesus, if Jesus was tempted, oh, I'm sorry. If Jesus was tempted, so will we, right? That that being tempted by the, by the devil is not an uncommon. It's not something that Christians are are um, immune to or against, right? That Jesus Himself was tempted, telling us that as Christians, we we too will be. But how we respond to those temptations will be up to us. And the last thing on this um, verse that I want to talk about is, is the desert. You know, the desert is a place, you know, is, that's very dry, right? Seemingly dead. There's no life, really. Maybe there's some cac cactus or cacti or some other animals. But, but, but it's, it's really seemingly dry and, and dead and very vulnerable to um, being tempted. Right. Um, and so we're invited as well to to go into this desert. But we need to know some very important things before we can go anywhere. Right. We need to know where we're going. Right? And, we, and we need to know who we are and who we're going with. Right. Even just think about when we're traveling on vacation, once all this 
um, pandemic things, um, they allow us to. We need, so if, if I'm gonna go on a trip to, let's say um, um, California, well, I, I need my passport, right? They need to know who I am. I need to have a destination. Well, where am I going, right? And who who is who is the party that I'm traveling with, right? We need to know those three things. In the same way, in, in our own spiritual lives too, we need to know who we are. We need to know where we're headed to, and we must know who we're going with. So our Lord knows who he who he is. He's the Son of God. Where is he going to? The desert, yes, but not his final destination. The desert is, is only a, a point along the way, right? Because we know heaven is our real destination. But the desert is one of those places that we must go through. And finally, who are we going with? Will we be going with our Lord and our brothers and sisters in Christ? Or will we be going with the world, with the enemy? Who will we be going with? So those three things, who we are, where we're going to, or, or where we're going towards, and who we're going with, those three things are essentials in our spiritual lives. Okay? Okay. Moving on to the next verse. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. You know, we see something very, very um, human here. If you didn't eat for forty days, okay, you would be hungry. So we're so what the what the um, author is trying to tell us is that Jesus Jesus was human. He experienced hunger like you and me. He was human. Okay, and of course, this fasting is a strong connection with Lent. And if you remember, we actually read this. Um, gospel. Well, this year we read Mark's um, version of it, but we always read the Temptations Gospel on the first Sunday of Lent, because really that is our first um, very, very symbolic way of we are entering into into the desert to fast for forty days. Right? And this fasting is one of the three main disciplines of Lent. Right? We have fasting, praying, and almsgiving. Now, fasting, you know. I think as Catholics, we all grew up with it. What are you giving up? What are you giving up for, for Lent this year? Um, maybe it's chocolate. Maybe it's soda. Maybe it's something else. TV. Nowadays, some people are giving up social media. But but did, have we really looked deeper into what the, the meaning of fasting might be? Is that just something because, you know, oh, since she just died for us, Died for me, I'm gonna give up chocolate. Well, <laughs> no, that's really not not um it's it's um it's, something's not right, right? I mean our Lord dying for us and me not eating chocolate. Well, it's it, there seems to be a very big, big gap there. So so fasting isn't shouldn't be our means of trying to um do a one-for-one -one exchange for our Lord, right? Well, since you did this for me, I'll do, I'll do this for you. No, we can never, we can never repay our Lord um, anything from our own merits for the work that he, he has done for us. And he doesn't need us to, he doesn't want us to. He did it out of love 
and as as we all know love love isn't something that needs that that is given so that it can be repaid right love just comes because that's what we want to do so fasting fasting is meant for us to um to to yes there is this self denial but it's also knowing that having that feeling of wow you know i i i'm i'm missing so let's say for me maybe one of the big things that i wanted to do was, was was fast from social media and and there will be times during the lent that said that that i might be tempted to to break that fast and 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 check my social media but but what this discipline um does for us is is that to, to know okay I really want to check my Facebook or whatever it is, but I'm not going to, because I know that the, that the deeper longing can't really be satisfied by Facebook. This deep longing, this deep void, this deep emptiness can only be filled by God. And so fasting is always meant to lead us closer to God, to lead us to depend more and more on God. That's a true uh, meaning of, of fasting. It's not so that we can do something nice for Jesus, but really it is to lead us ever deeper into the mystery of God's love for us. So we're told after those 40 days, he was hungry. If, if that were you, what would you do? You know, I would want some food, right? I was, I would go out, go to Chinatown, go to, um, the restaurant and order a whole table full of dim sum, right? That's what I would do. Um, but what does the Lord do? What does Jesus do? Let's take a look. The tempter approached him and said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. I highlighted, I highlighted the word tempter here because I want you to re remember this because I will, I will go back to this towards the end, this notion of the tempter, okay? So we can see here that the enemy comes to us when? He comes to us when we're hungry, when we're weak, when we're vulnerable. That's when he comes to us. The, 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 the enemy preys on the weak. That's very... Um, that's not noble at all, right? That the devil preys on the weak. He comes to us when we are weak and vulnerable and spiritually hungry or even um, physically hungry for whatever um, things that we may hunger for in our, in our lives. And so, brothers and sisters, we must know our weaknesses, what causes us to fall? What causes us to fall and fall into temptation? We must know our weaknesses because by knowing the weaknesses that we have, we will know how the enemy will try to attack us. If, if my weakness is um, um, loneliness, whenever I feel lonely, I might turn to drugs or alcohol or pornography, whatever it may be. And I need to know that because I need to know that when I'm feeling lonely, I need to be prepared for this attack so that before the, the, the enemy can, can come in, I will say, Lord, I am 
I am in a very vulnerable place right now. I, I need you to be with me. Right? And that's what we need to do. And here, the important word we can see here is if. If you are the son of God. The very first temptation already, what is the devil implying? He is attacking Jesus' identity. If you are the son of God, then do it. All right off the bat, your identity. If you are who you are, then show me. Show me. So, so we must know who we are so that we can fight this battle with the Lord. We need to know that we're not just some weak prey that the enemy can, can, can prey on, but, 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 but we are with the Lord. And of course, Jesus knew who he was. Right? And again, the enemy uses the loaves of bread because he knew our Lord was hungry. So he, he tries to use that to tempt our Lord to, to do something, you know, to, to, to show him something. But some may ask me or some, some may think, well, what's so bad about that? I mean, it's not a sin, right? To, if our Lord did turn those stones into bread, it, it wouldn't be so bad. It, it, it wouldn't be sinful. Why, why couldn't he do that? Well, of course he could. But he didn't. Because if you look throughout the Gospels, our Lord only uses his power for others. That his power was not for himself. That he came not to save himself because he, he needed no need of salvation. He, need, he had no need of baptism. And we'll get into this you know, in, one, in, in one later conference about the baptism. He needed no need of baptism, but, but, but he did it. He need he did not need um, to 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 do all, all these miracles, but but he does because he was sent for us. He was sent for the sinners. He was sent to bring us to the Lord, to His Father. So yes, there is no harm in it. The harm is in the tempter's intentions. Did the enemy really want? to give Jesus food so that he won't be hungry? No. He wanted Jesus to change those stones into bread so that he can say, oh, look, you need to flaunt your power. You know, and, and our Lord saw through that. And so, yes, our Lord may have been hungry, but he hungered more for his father. So our Lord says, he said in reply, it is written, one does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So what is our Lord's number one um, weapon against the tempter, against the enemy? Scripture, the word of God. He, there is a primacy of the importance of the word of God, of scripture, right? That, and, and brothers and sisters, that's why we pray. We pray because we believe that our prayers have meaning, have power. Otherwise, our Lord wouldn't tell us to pray. 
And that's why he showed us the first thing that he uses against the enemy is God's word. God's word can save. God's word is um, effective. But notice here. It is one doesn't live on bread alone. So he acknowledges, yes, we do need bread. We're human. We need to eat. But there's something more that we need first. We need the word of God first. So bread is important, but it's not the most important. So Jesus was not condemning food. He was not condemning people who were hungry. That's what he was doing. But again, he knew what the enemy was trying to do. You see how the enemy can take something that's good, like food, and pervert it? And change it into something evil? He can take anything that's good and make it bad for his own advantage. And we must be aware of that. Jesus' identity as son of God does not depend on showing this miracle of stone into bread. And that is what our that's what the enemy said, right? He said, if you're a son of God, then do this. But Jesus knew, he says, my identity does not depend on showing these miracles. It doesn't. Because who he is comes, comes not from what he can do, but it comes from his father. So here we can see the first temptation. It's really the temptation of power. I am what I can do. You are what you do. But we know that's not true. And our Lord showed that by not doing it. Because the enemy wanted him to do it so that he can show us that, well, I, I guess you, you are only son of God because you can do this. But he's going to tell us, no, my identity is deeper. It, it's, it's not dependent on, on any of these earthly things. It depends from the Father. And so this temptation of power, you are what you do, we must reject. We are not simply what we do. That's a part of our lives, yes. But it's not who we are. We are not who we do. We are not what we do. And so here we can see Adam said yes to the enemy in the garden. Yes. I will take this apple. I will take this fruit. I will take this. But Jesus said no. He said no to the enemy because he already said yes to the Father. So the devil said, okay, well, that's fine. Well, let's try something else. And he tries this. Then the devil took him to the holy city, which is Jerusalem, and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. So our Lord, so the devil took our Lord to, to Jerusalem to the place where he will eventually go to give up his life for us. And he made him stand at the highest point of the temple. And he said, well, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. Well, why? Now, 
the enemy continues, for it is written, he will command his, his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So here we see the enemy again, attacking his identity, if you are the son of God. And do something, throw yourself down. Because if you are the son of God, then the father will command his angels to protect you, to, 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 to lift you up. So that you won't fall on the ground. Again, do something. Building on top of that presentation of power. But this goes even further. It goes even deeper. Something even more um, malicious that the, that the enemy does here. I'm not sure if, 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 you, if you noticed this. The enemy... The enemy quoted scripture. The devil used scripture against Jesus. Did you catch that? The devil knows his Bible. He does. He knows it really well. But he uses it for evil. He uses it for evil. Instead of bringing... Instead of using the scriptures to bring people to God, the enemy uses it to question God's love for them. You see, we need to know our Bible because the enemy knows it. He copied Jesus. He said, well, Jesus, well, well you know, I can quote scripture too. It's not just you, right? So the devil always tries to one-up our Lord so that our Lord will be like, you know what? Well, here, I I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that I am by doing this. But what does our Lord do instead? He answered him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Our Lord is showing us that was a wrong way to use scripture. You should use it this way. The proper way to use scripture is to lead us to God, not away, but towards God. And so what is the temptation really here about? Yes, for power, right? Do something. But there's something more. Think about this. If our Lord was to throw himself down, and he was um, caught in the in midair by the angels. He would seem like he was levitating, right? What would what would happen? The, and again, we were in Jerusalem, in the temple where it was always busy, a lot of people. What would happen? The people would go crazy. Wow! Did you see that man? That Jesus, he jumped down and these angels lifted him up. And he would be the next famous sensation. He will be famous. So here we can see the temptation of power and fame. I am what others say about me. You're the best teacher. You're the best homilist. You're the best worker on our team. 
That's who I am. But we know it's not. That's not our truest identity. And 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 our Lord knew that if if he were to do that, it it will make everything about himself. But he knows it's not. It's it's about his father. So here's the enemy. I'm sure he's he's disappointed. Oh, I lost again. I lost again. Off to the next temptation. Now this um, is 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 one of the, the temptations that that we see as very far fetched. That we will never do that, but we but we will come to see how how it's quite relevant actually. Then the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence, enticing. Jesus, right? He's in, he's enticing him. Look, you know, it's 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 like you know, if we were to go to a, a very high point, and we look out at the beautiful scene and the cityscapes, or the enemy says saying that could all be yours. That could all be yours. Here we go. All these I will give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. Wow. What's going on here, really? What is it that's 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 really happening here? I, I um, our Lord, um, <laughs> I, I, I can just imagine what our Lord. Might might be thinking here, like maybe he's like, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna try to tempt me to to worship you, right?" There are so many things that are there that 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 are wrong here. The first is this: he says, "I shall give it to you." What's it? The treasures of the world. He shall give it to Jesus. Well, how? It doesn't belong to the enemy. So how can he give it to him? The enemy only offers us empty promises. It's empty. He could never give that to Jesus because it doesn't belong to him. All the enemy wants is for us to fall into his trap and bow down to him, but in return, give us nothing other than bondage and slavery to sin. He only has empty promises. Here we can see the temptation, the temptation of wealth. I am what I have. I am these treasures that I have. I am the guy that owns that fancy car in the parking lot. I am the guy that owns that big house down the street. I am the I am I, I am the 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 man who who has this fine collection of of, of antiques. I'm the one with all this money. I'm top five on, on Forbes, most, um, you know, the richest people. The temptation of wealth. I am what I have. And many of us will say, well, of, of course I won't. If the devil said, you know, come worship me. Of course we'll say no. 
But he doesn't come to us that way, right? He comes to us in these possessions. He comes to us in these enticing things. My phone. Can I live without this? I mean, people are on it 24-7. These children that I see, they're always on this. This becomes their God. They can't live, you know, and, and, and that's a problem with our world today. People can live without God, but they, they, they can't live without their phone. Isn't that, isn't, isn't there something wrong with that? That they can't be apart from church. Oh, the pandemic. Oh, I can't go to church. It's dangerous. I'll catch this, I'll catch all these uh, virus. Or even, oh, I, I, oh, I, I, you know, I, I don't have access to, 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 to the internet. I, I, I can't even watch it. But yet, they can go spend their Sunday at a nice day down the shore or go on vacation. So they have time for that. But they can't spare 45 minutes or an hour for God. The temptation of making our material possessions into idols. And there's something very wrong with that in that because the phone itself is good, right? It's good. But the enemy, the enemy can use what is good to drive me away and lead me away from God. How? What? I can access anything on this phone. From pornography to... Um, um, I guess I'm trying to find places where I can buy buy um, illegal drugs, maybe. Whatever it may be, this phone can consume me so much that it possesses me. But our Lord gave us creation so that we can be stewards of them, not so that they can control us. And the enemy uses just that. He uses what is good and turns them into what is bad. So let's see what our Lord says to him. Some strong words. At this, Jesus said to him, get away, Satan. It is written, the Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. That's it. Our Lord has had enough. Get away. Get away. Brothers and sisters, when we are faced with temptation, we must say the same thing. Get away, Satan. Get away. Go away. Go away, Satan. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. That must be our prayer. When we are faced with temptation, when, when we are faced with, with, with doubt, when we're faced with challenges, we must say, get away, Satan. I do not belong to you. I belong to the living God who calls me his beloved. Come, Lord Jesus. That must be our prayer. Anyone who goes away from God, chooses the other way, is going down the path of the enemy. Even the apostles were not um, immune with the, um, to this. Do you remember another time in the Gospels you may have heard when Jesus um, used the word Satan? Anybody? 
if you do just shout it out. When was another time that Jesus used the word Satan? I'm going to see if anyone um, might remember. Maybe 10 seconds. If you, if you know, just shout it out. All right. I guess they're not, which is fine. Our Lord calls Peter Satan. Did you, did you catch that in, in the scriptures? When our Lord was, was telling them how he must go to suffer and to die. And Peter said, no, Lord, that will never happen to you. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. What was he saying? Was he saying that Peter had become the devil? No. But Peter was beginning to, to take on a role that wasn't his. Who is he to tell Jesus what he should and should not do? In fact, Peter was blocking Jesus from doing the Father's will. To die is what our Lord has come to do for us, to die for our sins. And Peter was preventing him from doing so. So anyone who prevents us from doing the will of God is Satan. Not the enemy, not the devil reincarnated, of course, but they're thinking in the path that is not godlike. Right? For example, if someone says to me, Oh, you shouldn't be a priest, you know, you you, you should get married, you know, so that you you can have a family and, and have money and all this. I would say, get behind me, Satan, right? Because that's not what the Lord is saying. God's will is must be first. And anything that comes, anything that we put before that, we must reevaluate our priorities. Okay. So what happens after this? Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. There will be trials in our lives. Some really hard and really difficult. But God will provide, God will minister to us. God will comfort us and console us and strengthen us. But we must call out to him. We must reject the enemy and cry out, come Lord Jesus. Have mercy on me, Jesus. We must call out to God because he will answer. And he will send angels to minister to us. He will, he has, we have guardian angels, right? And the Holy Spirit will always watch over us, but we must allow the Lord to do that for us. Now, in Luke's rendition of this last verse, is very different. And I want to show this to you because it it, it shows us the, the the pervasiveness and persistence of the enemy. Okay. Luke's version says, when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Well, what does that mean? That he'll be back. 
The devil never stops. It's a constant battle, my brothers and sisters. And this is I'm I'm not saying this to you so, so that you can be 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 become um um hopeless or to to be in resignation. I'm I, I'm saying this to you because that's the reality, that's the truth. That temptation comes again and again and again and again. And that's why we have the sacraments. That is why we have confession. We have the Eucharist. That's why we, we are baptized and confirmed, right? So that we can be strengthened. It's an ongoing battle. But the hope in all this is, is that the battle has been conquered. Our Lord had, has conquered the enemy. So the victory is won already. We just need to do our part and, and keep fighting the good fight because we know the end that good wins over evil. And I just thought I, I point this out. The enemy departs from him for a time, but he comes back when? Judas, when he was betrayed in the garden. Right. That was when he returned. But our Lord did not allow that to. I mean, yes, he was. He may have been tempted to say, Lord, to say, Father, forget this. I'm done. I'm not going to go get nails driven through my hands. I'm not doing that. But in the garden, he said, what? Well, you know, if Lord, if you if this cup can pass for me, please. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. Even then, at that was crucial time, our Lord surrendered to the Father. That's what we must do as well. So, what is our identity? It is not what I have. It is not what I can do. It is not what others say about me, right? These are these these are all temporary. These are all temporal. These things belong to the world, but we were not made for the world, right? We were made for heaven. And and the. The trouble with associating who we are with these things is is, is, is is this. If I say I am what I have, let's say I oh I am the man who is um who 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 um is the richest person in um in the city. And suddenly somehow I gambled it away, I, I, I lost all my money. If if I put my identity in what I had and it and it got lost, then I become what I become nothing. I'm nothing. I was the richest person. Now I'm nothing. So then they become lost. And they go down, they become the prodigal son. They go down that downward spiral to 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 despair. Again, what I can do. Oh, I am I am the uh 
I am the, uh, the, the teacher of the year. And, and, but what happens if something happens and, and we get laid off? And we're no longer a teacher. We, we, we no longer have a job. And for someone who says, well, I, well my, my, my identity is, is my job. Well, if you have no job, then, then you're no one. Then you'll feel that you're no one. And I, and I think, no, I, I, I can only say this as, as a man. I can't say what it might be like for females. But, but we, we have that innate wiring that says, well, well I, I take pride in what I have, you know, my lawn. I'm the guy with the greenest lawn in the neighborhood, right? I, I am what I can do. I am, I, you know, I, I, I am all these things, but, but that's not our truest identity. Our identity is something that is not based on any of these things, that is not based on time or space. Our truest identity is um, eternal and permanent. These things will all come and go. You will gain money, you will lose money, you will find jobs, you will lose jobs, you will gain, you will gain praises, you will be criticized. All these things are, temp are, 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 te are temporal. But who we are is, should not be temporal. It's permanent and it's eternal. And we all root all these things with, with love, right? People, maybe they love me because of what I have, of what I can do, of what others say about me. But you know that you are loved first and foremost because you are the beloved one of the, of the Father. You're, you're not loved because you, makes, you make lots of money. You're not loved because you were ranked one in your class. You're not loved because um, you you did a great job on on this project. They, of course, they may be good things, but but God's love for you isn't dependent on any of those things. And we don't even we don't even need to see in God's love, but 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 even in our families, for for parents or for siblings, but but more so for parents. If your son came home with an F, will you love them less? You may want to strangle them and say, why did you study? But you will not love them any less, right? Your love for your son is not dependent on straight A's. Your love is dependent primarily and simply because you love them, because they are your son. That's why you love them. In the same way, God loves us, not because we go to Mass every Sunday out of our busy schedule. We carve time out for Him. No. God loves us because He made us, and we are His children. That is why He loves us. So, in the same way, people do not stop loving us. Well, people who truly love us will not stop loving us because we've done something bad or because we lost something, or because others start to criticize us, they won't. If love under those circumstances is taken back, then it was not true love to start with. Love is not and cannot be earned. Love is simply given freely. And God does this. God loves us freely. In fact, it was God's love 
that willed us into existence. So our identity is not in any of those things, which the devil, the devil thought it did. The devil thought that it could work on Jesus because that's how he saw himself. But Jesus was trying to tell him, no, our identity isn't rooted in those three things. It's only rooted in our father. But the enemy couldn't see that. So what is our identity again? Our identity is the sum of God's love for us, which is infinite and eternal. You know, I, I, I think it was Pope John Paul II that, that once said, you know, we are not the sum of our failures or, or successes. We're the sum only of God's love for us which we know is, again, eternal and, in, and infinite. And, 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 and I think when we come to see that, we, we, we can learn to love ourselves a, 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 a bit better, that, that it's, it's okay if I don't get 100 on this test or, or if I don't make employee of the month or if I don't make this certain quota it's okay, my worth isn't lessened because of that. But it's so hard for us because the world has tricked us into thinking that. And so my brothers and sisters, what is of the world, what is temporary will always only lead us to sadness because we can never always be on the top. We will always come down at some point. And, when that, and if we root who we are in that, then we will, it will lead us to sadness and depression. We can't root ourselves in that. So we are the beloved. We are the beloved. We are God's love for us. And to live the life of the beloved is to live the life of Christ. A life that is full. A life that is full of joys as in the baptism, as in the transfiguration, as, as, as in the, the resurrection, but also a life that is full of pains in the desert, in the agony in the garden, at the cross when everyone left our Lord. So a life that is full is a life that is lived with joys and pains gains and losses, acceptances and rejections, and ups and downs. To be a Christian means to live the life of Christ, which included all these things. And this life is a life that is full of an abundance of blessings if we choose to receive them. All these experiences that when we come to experience the joys and the sorrows, the falls and the getting ups, all those are gifts and graces if we choose to seize them, right? We, and from our own experience, we know that each time we fall, we can choose to either stay down there or get back up. If we choose to get back up with God's grace, we can look back and say, wow, Look how far God has look how far God has brought me. 
And that's a full life. A, a, a life that's full and fully alive and abundant is a life that we, that, that we can look back and say, wow, look how good God has been to me. Even in my most desperate moments, God loved me. We must encounter God to know this life. We can't just wish for it and it will come. We must pray. Prayer is not wish. Praying is not wishing, right? Prayer is our um, relationship with God. That is what prayer is. So we must encounter through prayer. So the truth is that we are loved from all eternity by the Father, and nothing can change that. Not even if we lose our jobs, if we lose our possessions, or if we lose graces or the praises of others. That will not change God's love for us. He will never change. What can change is if we choose to reject God's love. God will keep loving us. Just like, just like parents, just like the father and the prodigal son, he kept on loving, right? He kept on loving. Even when the son left him and wished him dead, he kept on loving. But the son can choose to accept or to receive or reject the father's love. The same with us. Will we choose to receive our identity in and from the father or will we not? Or will we choose to, or will we choose to put who we are in these three things? Or, or will we choose to put it in, in, in this? I mean, to me, the answer is clear, very clear for me. Why would I want something that can only last for a time? I want to choose something that, that can last for a lifetime, right? And so, my brothers and sisters, to live, we must know who we are and whose we are. We are the beloved of the Father, and we belong to the Father. We are gods, not the enemies. We are gods. Gods as in possessive, not gods as in plural, right? We, we, we are of the Father. Just want, want to make sure that it didn't come off that way. Hence, we are not what we have, what we do, and what others say about us. The enemy will tempt us. In fact, he will tempt us this very moment and the moment after that. He will always use our weaknesses against us and what we already have. Again, we, we already have life. We already have grace. We, we already have love. But he will tempt us. Oh, if you do this, you will be loved by your peers. I'm loved already. We have it already. Now, remember I told you in the very beginning to think about, to, don't forget about the word, the, the, the word tempter, right? Here it comes. The devil's tricks can be understood, I think, in two stages. First, he tempts. Oh, come on, you know, it, it won't hurt. But then he accuses. What do you mean? Let's think about this. First, the, the devil entices us with all these um, good things. Oh, yes, you know, you should definitely do this. It's, it's, it'll, it'll, it'll make you feel good by yourself. You know, God, God wants you to be happy, right? 
Oh yeah, of course he does. And then you fall into the trap. And then what, what does he do? Does he say, oh, you know, good for you? No, he accuses, he says, oh, you call yourself a Christian? You call yourself beloved of the father and you go ahead and do all these things? No, you know, how, how could you even call yourself Christian? But that's what you said, no, right? So the devil tempts you and then he accuses you. The enemy is a tempter and an accuser. God calls us calls us by name. But the enemy calls us by our sins. God calls us by name. But the enemy calls us by our sins. God calls us calls me Philip. But the enemy calls me, oh, you're the one that's prideful. You're the one that is lazy. You're the one that 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 uh that that is um that goes around and judges people. That's not who I am. Yes, I may have those flaws, but that's not who I am. I'm God's beloved. And if you noticed. Even Jesus called the enemy by his name, Satan. But he could not respond to that. He was, his heart has been hardened so much so that he could not receive love. So my brothers and sisters, like Jesus, we all must allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because only then will we be able to get to heaven, our destination. And the path to heaven, as you know already, will include many deserts, many trials. These deserts of our lives, will we go alone or will we go with the Lord? Don't forget, we are God's beloved. And to really live this life well, to live the life of Christ, to live the full life. We must know who we are, where we're going, and who we're going with. If we can answer those three questions, I think we'll find ourselves in good company and we will arrive at our destination in due time. So my brothers and sisters, I leave you with this phrase, this verse, this truth that God speaks to you and to me every day. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And with you, you alone, not what you can do, not what you have, not what other people say to you, but with you in all of your weaknesses, in all of your strengths, in all of your, your uh, success and failures, with, with, with all of that, you with all of that, with you, I am well pleased. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for, for loving us even through our sinfulness, even through our desperation, even through times when we failed to, to call upon you. We thank you for calling us 
by name and not by our sins. We thank you for only knowing us as your beloved. Give us the grace and the humility to receive that. Teach us that the enemy only has empty promises, that all he promises us will not be fulfilled because he has nothing. The enemy has nothing. Remind us always that he is the prince of lies, but that your son is the prince of peace and that you, Father, are the lover who has loved us from all eternity. As we continue this Lenten season and throughout our lives, be with us as we journey throughout these deserts of our lives. Be with us and strengthen us and encourage us and console us so that we may arrive to our destination, so that we may be with you, you who with your Son and the Holy Spirit are God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining me. For more audios, videos, blog entries, and other resources, please visit us at www.belovedsonministry.org.